0: I'd heard about prostate cancer. Most men have. I even knew about the heightened risk for black men, which, when adjusted, means that it affects one in three of us. One in three. But this was only meant to happen to old men. Other men. (laughs) That wasn't until it happened to me. I couldn't make these stories up. These are the stories, the good, the bad, and the unbelievable about my prostate cancer journey. So strap yourself in and let's go. Episode 23, Passion Cake and Artillery Shells. Prostate Cancer UK volunteers are a pleasant, patient and passionate lot. They have to be with some of the places they visit and the people they talk to. However, press the right key, or maybe I should say the wrong button, and they can get very passionate. And it's very telling. Think of being attacked by a cuddly penguin, and you're on the right track. We had another up meeting, my second, at the offices of Prostrate Cancer UK in London. Before the meeting, however, the storm clouds were gathering. For whatever reason, the time of the meeting had to be changed, a couple of times. Nothing too drastic, and not a problem for me at all. First of all, we were gonna start half an hour later, and then finish half an hour earlier, and then finally, we actually finished half an hour later. This was all over the space of about a week. Again, like I said, not a problem for me, but for one of the guys who would now have to leave early, he had pressed the wrong buttons and led to this email rebuke to Prostrate Cancer UK. The clash of times has not arisen as consequence of my having prioritised my client over the hub meeting, but rather as a direct consequence of, sadly, Prostrate Cancer UK's inefficiency and could have so easily been avoided had Prostrate Cancer UK advised me of the correct times of the meeting when, having heard nothing from yourselves, I emailed for details on the 4th of January. My guy was just warming up. I find this very, very disappointing. And a little annoying, as I take volunteering and our cause very seriously. And I have to say, it smacks of poor planning and a complete lack of effective communication. The guy had not even run out of steam yet. He continued In my book, open communication and robust planning go an awful long way in capitalizing an effort and energy and securing positive outcomes and avoids the unnecessary waste of time and effort that would otherwise be the case as that energy otherwise needlessly hemorrhages and provides and proves unproductive. Okay. This time around however the number of volunteers, 24, was about the same as last time but the mix was very different. There were four women, three of whom were black and four men. I know there are more black and female volunteers but it was great to see a much better mix. We were arranged in a semicircle and just said our names rather than any information like what got us into volunteering or geographical location. Unlike the last meeting, I got there nice and early and located myself right behind the food. Well, someone had to. I took the bullet for the team. The meeting kicked off with Prostrate Cancer UK telling us how the year had gone so far. They had delivered 1,000 activities up from 700 the year before, a massive increase. Activities are anything that engages volunteers. These are the collections, awareness talks, football match attendances, stands, sponsored runs, walks, etc. They have a number of large companies in their sights. One of the most prized happened to be my employer. The first gripe of the day came about from a volunteer pointing out that they are a little dismayed that some of the events or the companies that i collected money or cheques from, were not being formally appreciated or recognised by Prostrate Cancer UK. Additionally, it would be very helpful if there was some sort of giant presentation cheque that could be shared amongst the volunteers for photo opportunities. Me personally, I'm not too bothered, but okay, I see his point. I have to say that I had not experienced that myself, as I'd only done one collection, and they had printed the cheque themselves. Now, regarding official recognition, he was coming from two angles. One is the general common courtesy point of view, which is absolutely vital. I get that. These people or organisations, no matter how big or small they are, have taken their time and effort to raise funds and should be thanked personally from Prostrate Cancer UK. The second point, which I have to say is more important to me and has made me think twice about collecting money, when a cheque is put into a bank or money handed over, if it is not acknowledged by Prostrate Cancer UK, it could put the volunteer under suspicion. I know, it's just the world we live in nowadays. He said he was lucky that he knew the organisers very well, so the lack of acknowledgement from Prostate Cancer UK was not seen as suspicious. But it did leave a nasty taste in his mouth. I completely get his point. We then had a very interesting talk from the change delivery team. Their role is the championing and influencing arm of Prostate Cancer UK. They liaise at the government level and work across all nations. For example, they are the people who successfully lobbied to get a Da Vinci robotic surgery machine installed in Northern Ireland, as those patients had to travel to Cambridge for appointments. The main pillars of their work are prevention, diagnostic, treatment and support. They are championing the widespread use of multi-parametric MRI scans, (MPMRI). These are scanners which offer superior quality imaging, which means fewer men should have to undergo a biopsy. Then the speaker innocently pressed one of the day's hot buttons. I love these. It's probably fair to say he hit it with a fairground hammer, hoping to win the big cuddly toy at the top. But then he hit it with an adorable puppy and then swallowed it. The PSA is not an accurate test, he said. Simon, one of the longest standing volunteers, who I would later find out is also a GP, had just had an industrial-sized, New Year's Eve-worthy firework set off under his chair. Simon stopped the presentation in its tracks. No, I have to stop you there. This really infuriates me when I hear this. It's a personal bugbear of mine. The PSA test is accurate. It is a very accurate test. It is just how it is interpreted. It also does not help that the head of Nice, N-I-C-E, says the same thing on national TV. It's put us back years. He was not a happy bunny. He said some more and the presenter actually apologised and said he would revise how he said it from now on. Now, I'm a bit vague on the rest because my stomach was growling. Luckily, not too loud that people could hear. Having the food directly behind you is both a blessing and a curse. I whispered to the guy next to me, I dare you to get up and announce to the group that you believe the PSA test is not accurate. We both had a good giggle at that. Going forward... I will change how I describe the PSA test. I've learned something today. The other point that really made me think was when the presenter mentioned that they were trying to standardise the support of patients post-treatment. He mentioned a term which I didn't realise existed called decision regret, DR. This is where patients later regret the decision they made to cure their prostate cancer. It's something that I have pondered on and off for a while. It's something I'll talk about in more detail in another time. If the email was a bullet and the announcement that the PSA test is not accurate was a hand grenade, the heavy artillery was just trundling slowly up the hill and being rolled into place. Prostrate Cancer UK said they had received a number of complaints from organisers. These are the people, companies, that we are sent out to see. These complaints, or the main complaint, is that some volunteers do not pronounce the word prostrate properly. Now, I put my hand up and I say, I have pronounced it incorrectly more times than I've pronounced it correctly. Even during this podcast, even during previous podcasts, I've probably mispronounced it i have suffered far more trying to pronounce prostatitis, which is where the prostate is infected. The other complaint was that some volunteers are not sticking to the key messages. Well, that was the bomb loaded and it was about to be fired. The speaker added, due to a number of inaccuracies and complaints from organizers, every volunteer needs to undertake refresher training or they will be disqualified from representing Prostrate Cancer UK. There was a short pause. And then it happened. Kaboom. To be fair, it wasn't a riot, mass walkout or murderous disapproval. You know when someone just beats you to something and you just sit back and see how it pans out? The initial reaction was shock. Was that really just said? Then the rumblings began, the noises began, thick and fast from the more vocal of the group. No one was against refresher training at all. It was mainly that the message had just been delivered really terribly. Some volunteers said they would have to reconsider volunteering if that was prostate cancer's uk's attitude we eventually got past it when we all agreed it was not the content of the message but its delivery we left it saying we would look at key messages at the next hub meeting the speaker announced this was a great place to break for food i'm not ashamed to say before he had actually finished the sentence i had two sandwiches on my plate and i was homing in on the rest of the goodies on the table I started to mingle with the locals. Triple D, dangerous driving Dave, my friend, was there, but I didn't sit next to him because he was on the opposite side of the food. Sorry. I crossed paths with one of the two women that I'd never met before. One of them was called Esther. She seemed deep in thought for most of the meeting and not said a single word other than her name. We exchanged greetings and I asked her why she is volunteering with Prostate Cancer UK. She gave me a three-minute summary about why she is a volunteer. She left me shaking my head in disbelief and loss for words. I asked if she had told her story and it was clear it was still raw. She said she is not comfortable talking in front of crowds. I paused for a moment and asked if she would like to tell her story on my blog. She said she would love to. I hope to talk to her very soon. And at the same time, I need to prepare myself for the full story. That was how much the summary she gave me affected me. Dr. Simon would also love to be interviewed. And that will also be something else to look forward to. Then we had a fundraising update, and that was the end of another hub meeting. I've been lucky in my lifetime that the holy grail of prostate cancer has been revealed. How men actually get it. This is huge and I was there fortunate enough when it was announced. It was quite an unforgettable evening and I've never forgotten it. I was in church the other day, just minding my business as you do, and I saw a gentleman that I knew. He smiled and we shook hands and he said he had seen my testimony and it was very powerful. He asked me how I was doing, I smiled back and said I was fine as I always do. I said, the recovery takes a long time, but I'm fine. I asked him if he'd been tested, and he looked me in the eyes, but didn't say anything. And I thought, with the background noise going on, that perhaps he didn't hear me. So I repeated the question, have you been tested? He then gave me a look that I'd never seen on a human being before. But a few seconds in, I realised that I'd just seen that look on my TV. The guy had gone into standby mode. He had shut down and gone into standby mode. It's the only way I could describe it. The power button was on, but everything else had been ripped out and shut down. After about 20 seconds, which really felt like an eternity, somebody pressed the remote, it suddenly perked up and jerked back to life. You know, I don't believe in that thing there, you know. You see, I believe that the devil puts that thing into people's heads, and if they believe it, then they have it. Mic drop moment. It was my turn to pause, but not quite the complete shutdown that he had. It was more a lesson in seething containment. If I was to research this man's family tree, I'm sure I would find his great-great-great-grandfather, Ebenezer J dumb church full brute would have denounced my cursed bloodline, beaten, tarred and burned me at the stake by now. Perhaps I should consider myself lucky at the time that we're living in. Had I just heard correctly, he had just said I will discondition on myself. Now I found myself stopped at the traffic lights on a crossroad which had a number of options. Two of the roads were variations of me telling him what I thought of him, where he could go and how long he could be there. So the third biggest killer of men worldwide is caused by men sitting there and thinking it on themselves. This is what I kept running through my head long after the conversation. I mean, it just makes a whole lot of sense. How silly of me. This can save millions from the discomfort and embarrassment and the misery and pain of this life-changing condition. If we stop thinking about it, we won't get it. Thankfully, This was the only time I was to hear this kind of dumb foolery. But as I said, years later, it still stuck with me.